I want to welcome everyone tonight. If you're a guest tonight, we welcome you. And if you are here tonight and this is your first or second time here, we invite you before you leave the back to my right, our hospitality area, to stop by there before you leave. We have a small token of appreciation we want to give you tonight before you leave. So we're so glad to have you with us. And uh, the great majority of us came in at some point like you are. This wasn't our home. This isn't where we were from. So we just want to let you know it's great to have you. Even if you decide to never come back, we're glad you came at least once. Praise God. If you're watching us online, we welcome you tonight wherever you are. Pray you're blessed by this service tonight. And I realize they're not present, but I do want us to give honor to our bishop and mother right tonight. Praise God. Amen. If you are not standing and you're able to, if you would, please. What a great privilege tonight to have one of our friends. Some people kind of come and go, but other people, I think, become our friend. Of course, a true friend won't just tell you what you want to hear. They'll tell you what you need to hear. So I, I don't mean our friend because all he's going to do or all he's done is say good stuff. But I, I know that Brother Godwin loves us. And I know that we love Brother Godwin. So it's a privilege to have him with us tonight. Brother Godwin, come. Do whatever the Lord wants to do here tonight. Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, if you love your pastor, would you clap your hands to him? Amen. His wife. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I'm going to need some heat. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You got your Bibles, Zephaniah chapter 3. Zephaniah chapter 3. When's the last time you heard a message out of Zephaniah? That's in the Bible. Amen. And we agree with the pastor. We give honor to bishop and mother. Amen. And uh, just wonderful. I get to stay in their house when I'm here. And I love it. Amen. And uh, we give honor to all the ministers and the elders. I give special honor to my good friend, Brother Mott. Amen. I love Stu Mott. Love all the men. And uh, to the other pastors and the other congregations, we thank God. We had three get the Holy Ghost. And two baptized at Brother Joel's congregation this morning. And uh, we thank God for that. Amen. What a great song. Amen. I think what a great song. Amen. Not only did the Spirit God raise Jesus Christ from the dead, but if you got the Holy Ghost, the same it is the same Spirit that raised us out of the deadness and trespasses of our sin. Come on. We run because it brought Jesus out, but you need to run and shout because it brought you out. It's the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Amen. And not only that, but it put you in Christ, baptized you into Him. Amen. That makes you a member, a limb, or part of His body. Amen. And the fullness. If we here's why the devil hates discord or loves discord and God hates it. Is because if this church, which is his body, and there's only one body, it is now many membered. Amen. Now that didn't get a lot of amens. I got some looks, so y'all know me. 
Amen's just fake it. Say amen. Make me think you know. If you don't, I'm going to stay there and explain it a while. Amen. Amen. There was one body. And there is one body. The difference between us, the body of Christ now, and the body of Christ when God was in Christ on this earth in earthly ministry, is it was one visible body. But now it is many-membered body. Everybody is a visible representation of the body. And I got head nods going on. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And so now we have been baptized into Christ. And as long as the body operates in unity, according to Ephesians 1 and Colossians 1, this many-membered body now still has access to the fullness of God. I don't have it by myself. But if I can stay hooked up and in unity with you, we have access to the fullness of God. Well, anyway, that'll preach all by itself. Look at somebody and say, I didn't get that, but it sounded good. Amen. Amen. And so we thank God for unity. And uh, God hates a man that creates discord. In fact, he called it abomination. Not it. He said the man that does it. That's an abomination. And once God puts abomination on it, he don't change. So high five somebody and say, boy, thank God this senior elder pastor, amen, opened up and told us the truth. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I won't be long if you'll say amen. Amen. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Zephaniah 3 and 14. Amen's is the pew's agreement with the pulpit which makes it profitable. The children of Israel, the gospel preached to them, profited nothing. The gospel preached to them, profited nothing. How can the gospel not profit? Not being mixed with faith. How did they not mix faith? They didn't say back to Moses what Moses said to them. Moses was saying, let's go to the promised land. And the congregation was saying, would God, we could die in the wilderness. It made the gospel of none effect. Amen. Preaching is not a one-man show. Amen. It's got to be powerful because of participation. Thank you, all five of you. Amen. Amen. I was teaching a Bible study one time, which very few preachers do. Uh... That was a joke, but it was kind of true. Amen. Want the pulpit, but won't teach no Bible study. Amen. I told one of them the other day in Fort Wayne, I said, why are we going to give you the pulpit to talk to somebody from 30 feet when you can't talk to them from three? What you going to talk about? You ain't got nothing to say. Amen. Now I look at somebody and say, ain't you glad he ain't the pastor? Hallelujah. <laughs> Devil is a lie. Amen. That's exactly right. But she asked me in short, she'd come to service a few times. And uh, it was a real quiet church. They, I couldn't get a hey man no matter what I did. And uh, she asked me once, she said, uh, do you believe what you preach? I said, oh, yeah. Oh, oh shy, yeah. yes, I believe what I preach. She said, I believe that. I said, I can't tell. She said, well, the other night you was down to the side and you was preaching. Blood vessels was puffed out and spit was flying. You was spraying everybody. Said, you were sweating. I can tell you believe it. She said, I got a question. Do you get paid? And I said, well, sometimes. She went just like this. She went, oh, she have another question. She said, does the congregation believe it? I said, oh, yeah, my God, they believe it. All 92 of them. Oh, yeah, my God, they believe it. And the Holy Ghost said, now you need to pay attention. 
And she went just like this with her face. She went, oh. I said, why do you ask? She said, well, I have another question. She said, do you pay the people to come to church? And I said, oh, my God, no, we ain't got that kind of money. And again, she went, oh. And I said, why do you ask? She said, well, I really believe you believe it. But she said, in the back of my mind, I know sometimes you get paid. She said, my question is, I want to know what the unpaid people believe. Now, the unpaid people believe, say, well, at least we're here. But there's folks at Walmart that don't believe they love Walmart. They just needed some toothpaste. Amen. They whipped in to go get them some. So just being here doesn't mean you agree. Amen. If you look around and you see somebody trying to believe, they need to know you agree with your pastor. And an amen is a show enough and a show enough. Come on, somebody. Amen. So anyways, Zephaniah 3.14, Sing, O daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel, be glad and rejoice with all the heart. O daughter of Jerusalem, the Lord hath taken away thy judgments. He hath cast out thine enemy. The King of Israel, even the Lord, is in the midst of thee. Thou shalt not see evil anymore. In that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear thou not, and to Zion, let not thy hands be slack. The Lord thy God is in the midst of thee, and he's mighty. He will save, and he will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. I will gather them that are sorrowful for the solemn assembly who are of thee, to whom the reproach of it was a burden. Behold, at that time, I will undo all that afflicts thee. I will save her that halteth, and gather her that was driven out. I will get them praise and fame in every land where they have been put to shame. At that time will I bring you again even in the time that I gather you. For I will make you a name and praise among all the people of the earth. When I turn back your captivity. Before, the, uh, before your eyes. Say the Lord. When I turn back your captivity. Before your eyes. Amen. I want to preach out of verse 19. He said, I will undo all that afflict thee. I wrote it down. The Lord said, this is the phrase. This is what you preach. I'm preaching tonight on the undoing of my enemy. Come on, look at somebody and say, my enemy is about to be undone. Come on, tell somebody, my enemy is about to be undone. Come on, would you speak to somebody in the round? You'd tell them our enemy is about to be undone. Amen. Come on. Clap your hands to the Lord like you believe it's going to happen. And the Lord bless you. You may be seated. Zephaniah is the great, great grandson of Hezekiah. His name means the Lord hides and protects. He prophesies during the reign of King Josiah, the boy king who at eight years old is brought to the throne. If you remember uh, amen. That story, what a beautiful story it is. Uh, there is a division that happens in the nation of Israel in 721 BC. Uh, 11 tribes go with Israel. One tribe goes with Judah. It's the tribe of Judah. But the tribe of Levi and goes with Israel along with all the other 10 tribes. There's great division, great division in leadership, great division in what God does or doesn't do and what he's doing for who he does what he does. Israel divided. Wickedness begins to ensue. Pain and trouble and terror 
Israel becomes enslaved, encumbered, and inoculated from the power of God. Here the prophets say Israel has turned back from the Lord. Did They did not seek the Lord, nor did they inquire of Him. They leap upon the threshold, which is the vestibules or the doorways. They filled their master's house with deceit and violence. They were given over to false gods of the world and uh, released themselves in the worship of their idols. You know you are in trouble when what you have conquered is what you are trying to become. I'm going to say that again. When what you have conquered is what you are trying to become is when you know you're in trouble. Israel was commanded when they went, like for instance, into the promised land. As soon as they crossed Jordan, the Lord told them, go to the places where the heathen serves their God and tear down their images and cut down their groves and tear down their pictures. Why? Because these places were high places. And whoever owned the high places in the land or the hills or the place of worship was the ones who owned the territory. That's why in Ephesians 6, Paul says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle. We entangle ourselves, hand-to-hand combat. What are we in hand-to-hand combat with? Principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in high places. When you see it in Ephesians 6, you have to go to the law first mentioned back into the Old Testament to find out what, what is this it's talking about. High places is the place of uh, victory and whoever owns the place of worship amen owns and has control of the territory I've already told you enough you ought to know where I'm going I'm preaching to a church that's had called to war 13 to 15 or 1600 people every night or churches every night praying with you what a great thing it was. I was in California the last two days and, and they began to talk about their different ones that had participated either every night or some nights. What a powerful thing that it was. But along with prayer, there must be somebody that goes to the high place. Why? Because we understand that the devil is the prince and power of the air. The devil's Lucifer and the fallen angels, one third of an innumerable host that were cast out with him, they inhabit the lower region of the atmosphere. If I was a young preacher, I'd have had graphics and everything all done up. I'd have had the world and I'd have had a fog wrapped around the world to show uh, demonic influence over the world. Whenever Adam and Eve lost dominion in the garden by disobeying God, Lucifer got dominion over this world. He is the God, little g, of this world and his angels, uh, the fallen angels, now inhabit the lower atmosphere. It was Israel that instead of going to the high places and tearing down those places of worship, why? Because God's a jealous God. God ain't gonna let you two-time him. Amen. He wants, he's jealous for your glory. God will not give his glory to another. That's not his glory, his doxa, but it is our glory. Doxa is essence and who you are. There's nothing any more valuable to God than you giving yourself to him in praise and worship and adoration. Who you are because of what you're going through, the significance. Can I say it this way? The aroma of your praise. 
attracts God. But now we see Israel, they get to two-timing God and they get to often up praise or aroma and God says to Israel, said, your, your, your worship has come up to me as a smoke in my face. Now, if you've ever sat around a campfire and the wind turns and smoke gets to blowing in your face, uh, what do you do? You move. Come on, somebody. You move. Amen. You don't want your worship to cause God to move away. Worship that causes God to move away is worship that you've given to something else and now you give him a little bit to appease him. Come on, somebody. Amen. So now it becomes more than just me uh, uh, praising God, but now it becomes a spiritual uh, uh, thing that whoever owns the place of worship in the high places, you have dominion. You have jurisdiction. You have a spiritual authority when you own the high places. Now, I'm going to let the cat out the bag a little bit early and tell y'all God is calling this church, amen, to a place of dominion. And I've come to this mother church to say to you that God wants you to up your praise. Not just so it increases your sweat, but because if you can come on up into the high regions of praise, God's going to give you jurisdiction. Oh, come on. I'm talking about more than a, than a music set and four songs that'll lead us up to preaching. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about going up into praise until you own the high places. God wants to give this church jurisdiction and oversight. And I'm just going to tell you, you can't get it imitating that monitor. You can't get there just acting like you did God a favor because you came to church. Well, I'm dressing holy now. Well, yeah, but you can put a tuxedo on a pig. He's still a pig. Now, ain't nothing wrong with dressing right, but that ain't, that don't, that, that's just about one click on the monitor. Amen. If you dress good, you ought to do more than look good. You ought to do good. Amen. And, and you know, now, now I'm not getting enough amen, so I get to break it down and make it simple. When I play ball, one thing I hated was people that just played hard enough to get on the team and get a uniform. Go to high school and that dude come in there strutting, you know, he's swagging, you know. Got his football jersey on hanging down to his knees. Now he don't ever get on the field other than do stretches and warm-ups. Got his uniform on, but all he's doing is stretching. He ain't doing anything. Don't ever get on the field. Don't, didn't, didn't practice hard enough to make the starting team or even the kicking team or the field goal team. They just got a uniform, but he, he just wants to strut around and impress the girls. Got number 32. Yeah, but 32 don't ever get out nowhere. Ain't nothing worked, nothing drove me any crazier than guys on the team that didn't give it enough effort to make the field. Folks, this ain't about just dressing up and putting on, on some uniform. You need to get on the field. See, now you ain't saying amen. Now, come on. Amen. You need to get on the field. We got enough saved folks sitting on the bench. We need somebody in these final moments to come on up into the field of praise and take dominion in a region. We got drug dealers that need saved. We got drug addicts that need delivered. We got pimps and prostitutes that need the Holy Ghost. But we need you to go into the high places of praise and take dominion. Over what's got them bound.
Amen. Come on, make sure I'm up in the house. Amen. Amen. Look at somebody say, we got to take dominion. You don't get dominion because you look pretty. You get dominion because you get on the battlefield and go to fighting for it. But Israel in the text has quit fighting. Now they're trying to become what they had conquered. They begin to worship idols. They begin to two-time God. It's like Paul, he encountered that. It's always been this way. Paul encountered it, walked up to Mars Hill and there was religious people and Pharisees and Jews and everybody worshiping all kinds of stuff. And he looked over there and there was a monument that said to the unknown God. He said, I want to talk about that one. They put it up there in case there was a God, quote unquote, little G, that they had known, didn't know about. They didn't want to offend him. They were worshiping all kind of gods as to keep them all happy. But listen, Brother Goblin, there is not but one God. I thought I'd have got a full unanimous amen right there. I said, there is one God. Amen. And his name is Jesus. Hear what he said. He said, there is no God beside me. And all-knowing God said, I know not any. Now, if God knows everything and said, there ain't no more gods, it ought to be easy. You ain't got to praise a bunch of gods. You can praise the one true and the living God. It ought to be easy to praise him. It ought to be easy for a saint of God to magnify him. Now, 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 why does it matter? Why well, it don't matter? I've been in this now a long time, been preaching 34 years. And I can tell you, I've seen a lot of folks backslide. Lose out with God. How'd they lose out with God? It wasn't, they, they didn't just one night decide to go get about a fifth of whiskey. They just didn't leave church to go get a bag of cocaine, cut them a line. And <laughs> you know how it started? They came to church and quit praising. Pentecost, we've minimized it and said it's just hoopology and just a bunch of emotion. The devil's a lie. Although every Hebrew word for praise requires both movement and emotion. Now what we've done is we've, we've made praise into something God's got to make you do. Now what kind of sense does that make? God redeemed you, bought you out of the market, never to be returned to further sale, and he's got to make you praise him. That's crazy. High five three people tell me that what you waiting on? Somebody said, Well, I, you know, we, we, uh, I was raised in a generation they said dance in the spirit. Trust Pookie. I got a Bible program on this phone. The phrase dance in the spirit ain't in the Bible. Now, see, I didn't get no amens because some of y'all's holy cow just got killed. sense does that make? God made your body his house. Right. Not just your heart, your whole body. Right. He now in your body is his temple, his theos, the dwelling place of Shekinah and now he's got to make you praise Paul said you are in the spirit if so be the spirit of God dwelleth in you. Not if you feel it, not if your goosebump machine kicks in, not if the tears are flowing, it's a fact. If you got the Holy Ghost, you are in the Spirit. You just need to praise Him. And you don't got to wait to come to church to do it. You can drive down the streets all over Baltimore. I give you praise, Lord. I magnify you. You are in the Spirit. If so be, the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Come on, we need to take 30 seconds and everything that had breath ought to praise Him.
No, 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 no. Don't let somebody else praise him for you. Your glory, your doxa is what God's looking for. I'm smelling for your praise. Uh, you can be seated. Now again, the revelation of our praise. Not just hooptalah, not just clappity clap. Not just a little casual wave. Not just a music set so we can get done with service real quick. Praise team did awesome tonight. Brother Norris, when I went to Bible school, he used to say, I don't lead worship. Lead in. Worship. This ain't no concert. You worship, we'll follow. This, you're not leading the, you did good, I already bragged on it, I'm not saying you're doing it, but, but you, you, the point is, if what you're singing don't move you, it ain't gonna move nobody else. If what I'm preaching don't move me, it ain't gonna move nobody else. Come on, if, if, if the Holy Ghost is so good and we got guests here that need the Holy Ghost, I want to ask you, can they watch you and come to a determination that it is good? Or are they going to say, nah, he don't believe that. You need to look around and say, hey, I want you to know I'm not just here because I got to. I'm here because I get to and I love it. I love what I'm doing. I five, three, something, three people and tell them I love what I'm doing. My God, I ain't got to feel nothing. I just think about it and just go to praising it. Oh, Lord, I don't want to chase no bunny rabbits. So, amen, if it doesn't move you, now we learned this selling insurance when I was in salesman, and I could sell sand to an Arab and ice to an Eskimo. Not because I was a good salesman, but because I believed in the product. Now, my job was to take all the schooling that I had and simplify it enough to get this person I've never seen till they opened the door or answered my phone call. And I got about eight minutes to convince them I am the boom chakalaka <laughs> about insurance. Because number one, I got to, I, they got to buy into me. I'm, I'm, I'm going simple to go, I'm going parable. I'm going from the known to the unknown now. They would tell us, it, you, it's not your job to sit at the table and impress this potential insurance purchasing person, customer, on how much you know. Your job is to find out what they need, meet the need, and get the check. Now, you just act like you ain't nothing, but if you're a salesman, you know you got to get that check. Now, I had to have a clear conscience. I had one time, I, this lady's name was Gertie Maple, sold insurance in Indianapolis, a little bitty single elderly grandmother, had no kids, never been married, was by herself, and went in, and she had this little one-room house, and she started crying. She said, sir, she said, she said, I got all these bills. So I just sat down. I said, well, let me see them. And Medicare was killing her and her supplement, and, the, and the Medicare was paying some stuff, and she was paying, double paying it. And I mean, it was crazy. So I just spent about three hours going through it and calling the providers, getting checks sent back to her. That woman looked at me and opened up her checkbook. $18,000 plus in that checkbook. She said, here, write the check. Tell me, just write it out for whatever I need. It scared me so bad, I went to Brother Mooney. I said, Brother Mooney, you need to keep me, keep me accountable. Now, I didn't do nothing wrong. But I don't want to take advantage of these people. Even because they believe in me. 
Are you with me now? Amen. This, this little bitty granny, Gertie Maple, I can take you right to her house. I had to take all this school knowledge and break it down so she understood it. Now, in church, it's the same thing. All, you know, lights and graphics. and Man, we got disco balls and smoke machines. We got all kinds of stuff going on now. Oh, y'all don't know about disco. Oh, Lord, that, that black, that can keep the black man down in me. See, easy now. Because I'm a black man trapped in a white body. I like groove now. I like groove, see. The rest of y'all like country. Hickey my hole. Hallelujah. I know folks that think country's the only holy music in the world. That is the most stupid thing I've heard in my life. Sorry, I'm chasing the money rabbit. Look at somebody say, praise him any way you can. Amen. So now we have to simplify it. So the simplest thing that will help somebody understand that this is real, something you really believe is, is when you act like you believe it. And praise it. We go to a ball game. That's why they call it home. I'm trying to help people because I got, look at somebody say, he's waiting on one saved person to amen him that ain't done it yet. And he's been preaching good. And we go to the ball game, they, they call it home court, home field advantage. Why? Because you know you got the home field, you got the praisers out there. Oh, now I'm, I'm from Oklahoma. Oh, you. Oh, you. Now you look out across that stadium and some knothead sitting out there in a chair going, got on his red and white. And 85,000 other people going, and you sitting there with your knot head. Well, I paid my ticket. At least I'm here. Why don't you take your sad self and go on home? You're messing up our flow. You got your colors on, but you ain't doing nothing. You're not helping us one bit. We need you. Got cheerleaders out there trying to crank up the volume over the PA, playing music, trying to, but then you want to come to church and not praise God. Come on, it ain't enough to just be in the stands. You got to get, if you got your colors and your coat on, you need to be a praiser. We need a home field advantage and we need some folks that'll praise the Lord. Now, I know I'm in Maryland and I don't know what all y'all's colors are, red and black and yellow. Navy, I mean, blue and gold. I mean, I understand. I got a Navy shirt I bought off of eBay for ten fifty, <laughs> Just for the bishop. Amen. When I bought it and opened it up, I took a picture and I said, go Navy. I love you, bishop. Amen. Had my colors on. You know, I know what's up. Amen. I ain't crazy. I know Navy don't want none of you. I'm sorry. Amen. But anyway, I got to have one of the military armed force. That's who I'm going to cheer for. I'm not going to Air Force. I'm not going to Army. I'm Navy. I'm a go Navy man. Go Navy. You, you, if you're a fan, you got to you got to open your mouth and get, and release your adoration for it. Now let's go spiritual. If it's that in the natural, it is that much more in the spiritual. Now I'm not saying everybody's got to jump or everybody's got to run or everybody's got to. And I love it. You know. Woo. I like watching Stu. Boy, he gets to kind of kicking it. Hey. Thank you. Well, if you knew what he's come through. <laughs> now, if you ain't been through nothing, you just act like the monitor. But for some of us that's been through, don't feel nothing, but I'm here. <laughs> they need to know.
know you really believe he can make a way out of no way. This ain't just something I'm doing because I ain't got nothing else to do. He is a way maker. I've had somebody say he is a way maker. And if you don't believe the product, they're not ever going to believe it. So now Israel's begin to doubt the product. And they're worshiping Baal, the god of the storm, who throws down bolts of fire to the earth, the god of war, the god of sex, which is lewdness and sodomy, even ordaining priests to become prostitutes. And the act of immorality became a form of worship. And they turned sodomy and prostitution and homosexuality and lesbianism into a religious act. They began to worship Israel, began to worship Molech. They erected idols of brass having the face of an ox and the body of a human who had outstretched arms heated until the arms were red hot and then they would place their babies into the arms of Molech. The priests of Molech would then beat the drums and crank up the music, if you will, as loud as possible so as to drown out the cries of the mothers and the babies. They began to, Israel began to worship chimeriums, which was, comes from a word meaning to intertwine, to be deeply affected with passion, to grow thin or waste away, especially by not eating or to become soft. You need to be, now, now I'm going to break all that down and tell you, you need to be very careful when what you're worshiping causes you to become very thin or waste away. I made the point. I've seen folks backslide and don't rejoice over it. But they begin their journey in back into the world. Paul said in Romans 1 that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Strike one. When you know God and you won't glorify him, Check one on what? The checklist on the way to reprobation. Because once you forget to, once you choose, once you feel justified in not praising, then you were neither thankful. Then your foolish heart becomes darkened. How? Because you profess yourself wise. But you became a fool. How did that all start? You didn't praise him. See, I done got theological on you and that would praise you. It's more than hooping and I like hooping. I hooped a little this morning at Joe's place. He can make a way out of no way. He can make you the head and not the tail. Make you above and not beneath. That's not it. That's not anointing. That's your style. Thank you. Amen. You have to be very careful that when the enemy throws you a curveball and makes you think that praise is all right if it's thin or intertwined. You know why it's hard for saved people to worship? It's because you've got your worship intertwined with something else. So in the text... The Lord speaks to Zephaniah and he says, I want you to speak to Zion and I want you to tell them to sing, Zion, sing. 
or greatly rejoice. Israel, amen, has begun to worship other things. But I need Zion, Judah. I need you to worship me. Why? Because God, come on somebody, inhabits the praises of his people. Oh, this, this area, I preach it everywhere. Our areas are where our local congregations are. We don't just need pristine parking lots and pretty buildings. We need people in them that know how to worship God until he brings his royal chair and sets up his government. Why do we need his government? Because in his kingdom, amen, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And he whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Drug addicts need liberty. Pimps need liberty. Prostitutes need liberty. But they're not going to find it if they show up in a church where the throne of God is not present. Oh, now you may have went through your three songs. And 15 or 20 wackos may have done the worshiping. Let me help you. 15 wackos worshiping doesn't count as you worship. That's why the Bible says, let everything that hath breath praise him. Why? Why? David said in another place, he said, whosoever Offereth praise. Watch. Glorifieth. The me is God. When you. Touch somebody and say you. When you praise God. You glorify him. And you don't want to praise him. Psalms 9 and 11 sing praise to the Lord which dwelleth in Zion. Psalm 66, 17, I cried unto him with my mouth and he was extolled with my tongue. Extolled means raised up or lifted up on high or was exalted. If you can't do anything but open your mouth, just praise him with your tongue or your mouth will set him up on high. You may be in bondage, you may be in depression, you may be battling with shame, but if in your shame you go ahead and praise the Lord, amen, you will set him up on high. I love watching this little man over here in his wheelchair worshiping and clapping. He can't move everything, but he's out worshiping some of us. If you got full act, look at him running the aisles in that chair. Somebody with two good legs ought to be running. Oh, come on, young people. Come on, young men. You ain't going to let that boy out worship you. Thank you, Bubba. No, you need to look at your legs and think, thank you, Lord. I can move these bad boys. I'm going to praise your name in a dance. I'm going to lift my hands. You can be seated 30 seconds. No matter what it looks like in your world, you need to praise the Lord in your world. Anybody can praise God when everything's all right. But can you praise God when all hells broke loose?
No, now I know. I know what I'm talking about. I know what it is on the worst day of my life, four and a half years ago. David Smith led me from Alexandria from Brother Mangan's office. I followed him in my vehicle to his house, walked in fully clothed, hadn't shaved in a couple of days, hair all messed up. Took me and said, Pookie, just use, use Spencer's room. I just fell into bed fully clothed, just late. It felt like all of a sudden he woke me up. He said, Pookie, what you want to do? I was just almost stone drunk with depression. What day is it? He said, it's Wednesday. I went, is there church tonight? He said, oh, yeah, Pookie. He said, Brother Aaron knows. He said, he, he knows what's going on. You, we ain't got to go to church. And I said, what time is it? He says, quarter to seven. I said, what time does church start? He said, seven o'clock. I said, let's go to church. He said, no, Greg. He said, wait. I said, no, let's go. I didn't shower. Didn't comb my hair. Didn't brush my teeth. Didn't shave. I know that offends some of y'all. Fooey on all of you. Don't mess with me tonight. <laughs> Walked in the church where I'd preached 21 years. Saw hundreds and hundreds of people get hold of us. Walked through the side door. Didn't greet nobody. Just trying to stay alive. Walked over to the front row. And stood there. And when they started singing, you know, Wednesday night, we ain't got the first team in, first string team, praise team in. We got, you know, about fourth string, you know. We just kind of, as we say in the South, just give it a lick and a promise. Just get none so we can get home. We've been working all day. But see, the problem with that is, what if someone walks in in the worst day of their life and they need you to do more than give it a lick and a promise? See, you have to have a revelation of your praise brings God's royal habitation I walked in there and as soon as that music started I didn't wait till song number two song number three I didn't wait for a sermonette for Christianette so we'd get home at a decent hour I walked out of my seat went straight to the altar and hit my knees and threw my hands up and started worshiping an hour later church was over you know what I decided amen I'm going to praise God on the worst day of my life Had to get up the next day, Brother Mangan wouldn't let me cancel a conference over in Houston, Texas to 1,500 people. And on the second to worst day of my life, I had to preach to myself. Anybody can worship God when everything's right. And that's where we've messed up. We make praise something only the happy do and only the victorious do. The devil is a lie. If your praise doesn't cost you, it ain't praise. If you're going through a tough time, praise God anyhow. If you're surrounded, praise God anyhow. Now I'm truthfully not trying to hype you. I'm trying to preach a revelation to you. He said, I need you to praise him, Judah. Why? Because he said, number one, the Lord is in the midst of thee which is near thee. Number two, he's mighty, which is powerful. He's powerful, a warrior, valiant man or giant. He will save, he will He will free, secure, avenge, bring salvation and get you the victory. He will rejoice over thee with joy. Now if that don't make you want to praise him, nothing will. But when God rejoices over you and he looks down there in Lake Charles and he sees Pookie going, well now God, I can't do, I can't do one them, but I'm here. I'm doing what I can do. 
and I'm not going to sit over here on the pew and I'm not going to throw in the towel and I'm not going to quit because I know I feel all hell coming in on me but I know if I praise you up with my mouth if I lift you oh I feel like preaching And I kind of see God looking around and his angels say, uh, Michael, do you see that man? Gabriel, do you, uh, fellas, hey, angel is going to bind the devil with one chain. Look at that. Do you see my boy? He's in all kind of hell on the worst day. Look, y'all look at him. The Bible says angels look into it. It means they stoop down. And they look in amazement at what God's doing with us. Amen. God, look at that boy down there praying. Not on Sunday night when you can fake it till you make it and get your praise on with everybody. But on a Wednesday night, on the worst day of his life. But y'all look at him, stoop down and watch him praise me anyhow. Well, And then God goes to rejoice. He said, I'm going to rejoice over you, I'm trying to preach to somebody that if you'll praise God in the midst of your mess, God will get happy and rejoice about you. And that doesn't help. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing, which is to spin around under the influence of an intense emotion. Now you've got to see God. Spinning around, but, but I know you don't want to. I understand. But God gets so happy. I see God. Where's my praise leader sing that last solo? Where's she go? She back in the cheap seats? Where's she at? Where's she at? Oh, there she is. That deal over here you was doing. I like that. That's what I'm talking about right there now. That, you know, the singing was fine, but when you, uh, when you get to getting in it, that, Amen. You know why you get in it? Because you see God getting in it. Hey, look at Oh, and God spinning around. Amen. They could have got high, but they praised me. They could have left and got drunk, but they praised me. And God said, I will spin around over you praising me. Granny, go ahead and leap for joy. I know these young people don't want to go ahead, Mama. Go ahead and praise Him. Go ahead and leap for joy. Ain't got none, but I'm going to leap for it. Now I'm going to stop with this one. Second Chronicles 13. Jeroboam, who's now the king of Israel. You don't think your praise matters? They were supposed to come down to Jerusalem and worship two times a year. And when it came time for them to go to worship Israel, that's 11 tribes. When it came time for them to go worship, Jeroboam said, no, that's too hard. He said, behold the gods that brought thee out of Egypt. He fashioned two golden calves. I, I know what it really takes to praise him. We got to go to Jerusalem. But we're not going to do that now. I got two golden calves. Y'all, these are the gods that brought you out. Israel. Israel. They now worship not one golden calf, but two. Because they had a leader who said it ain't necessary. Come on. Come on. Come on. All right. 
Maybe his name gives us an understanding. His name means the people contend. Very hard to worship God when you are contentious with his people. So the Schofield Bible says, or the Bible literally says, and this thing became a sin. Schofield's Bible in the margin says, what made their praise and worship a sin was they made worship convenient. Convenient praise is a sin. You don't think it matters? In the Chronicles it says, and satires came to their altars. Satires are deities of Greek mythology, if you will. They're half human, half animal. It's literally dancing demons came to the Lord. Now you do with what you want to about your praise. Make your praise convenient, but it will attract. You just have to ask yourself, are you attracting God to your praise? Or you, if you're praising Him out of convenience, you've probably got a dancing devil somewhere close by. And when the tribe of Levi heard that Jeroboam did this, they left and Levi went to Judah. Now you got two tribes at Judah. Why? Because in Judah is God known. God's address is praise, folks. And if we're going to have, and and y'all are having a breakthrough right now and you got a bunch of folks praying through, but you're not going to pray people through if you ain't praising him. Because God is known in praise. Oh, see? We got that golf clap going now. Well, can we be holy enough we force God? Nope. Can we give enough money that we force God? Nope. Can't you come to church enough and you force God? Nope. He only inhabits your praise. See, now, now, now I sense the spirit of Cain in here. See, the spirit of Cain is he wants to kill the worshiper so that he's got God pointed in a, painted in a corner. Because now Cain was saying, I'm going to kill the worshiper who you had respect for his sacrifice. Now I want to ask you, do you praise God enough that God has respect of your praise? Because the Bible said of Abel, God had respect unto his sacrifice. But he didn't unto Cain. That's, that ticked Cain off. See, Cain is the spirit of a brother who is competitive. And he will eliminate all competitors so that nothing is left but him. He's a brother killer. He's a praise eliminator. Because you know what? I know Abel's going to offer you up this blood sacrifice and I like veggies. Well, tough. Go get an animal and kill it. Why? Because that's what I want. I mean, I'm only God. But Cain says, well, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to eliminate my brother. I'm going to eliminate Abel. Fall down. And now there ain't nothing left but Cain. So now, if you want praise... 
I, I know it's just a drama, boo. Come on. I could have used some non-worshippers, but they would have sued me. Hallelujah. I went to ABI. We did dramas the last 30 days. I'm trying to pay for my education right now. Just stay with me. And so Cain said, now you're going to have to take what I get. You're going to have to take what I give. Now this is what contaminates Pentecost. Because when it comes to praise, we say, well, God, this is just what I am. I'm not emotional. You just got to take it like I give it. Well, see, that's the problem. You are not what you were. You are what you are. You have become a new creature. You're not that unemotional person you were. You're a new creature. Now, you can be seated. I'm going to drop a bomb in the back back room back here and tell you. I'm, and I'm an Indian. I'm an American Indian. I'm going to tell all y'all. I was here before everybody. Y'all all owe us. But I am not an Indian Christian. I'm a Christian. You're not an Asian Christian. I'm going to preach it. You're not a Russian Christian. See, now you're offended because you're saying we're we're, we're being not loyal to your natural birth. No, amen. Thank God who you are. But that made you a sinner. Your first birth made you a sinner. Whether you were red, yellow, black, or white. But if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. And behold, all become new. I'm not an Indian Christian. I'm a Christian. High five somebody and say, touche. Why am I going to lean back on my Indianness? I mean, oh, I mean, you know, that's what I am. I got it from both sides, mom and daddy. Got Apache from my mom and Florida State Seminole or something from my daddy. He's from Florida. But also got an Englishman in me. So I'm kind of three-part. But when I was born again, My first birth made me English, Apache, and something else. But my second birth made me a child of a king. Woo! That's what we got to have going on in D.C. Amen. We got people from every race, kindred, tribe, and tongue. Why? Because it is like heaven. But we're all of one blood. I'm done. It's... 8.15, 8.15, I got to quit. I've been an hour. Y'all took 50 minutes, so I took an hour. Amen. Here's the story. Jeroboam becomes so infected with praising other gods and making worship convenient that the jealousy continues until in Second Chronicles 13, Jeroboam now ambushes Judah praise. I almost almost titled this when your praise get ambushed. There were 800,000 men from Israel that had surrounded 400,000 praisers from Judah. And the Bible said when Judah looked back and looked before and saw they were surrounded, 
They just threw in the white towel and said, we quit. They just ran the flags up the pole and said, okay, y'all in charge. The Bible said when they looked back and they looked ahead and they were two for one odds against them. The Bible said, and Judah shouted. And when the Bible says, as Judah shouted, God struck Jeroboam. The word literally means he gored him. The odds were two to one. And Judah knew they were surrounded and outnumbered, but they said, you can't outnumber praise. Because all we got to do, even though you got us surrounded, is you don't understand. We may be under ambush, but if I get to praising God, he's going to show up in this and then y'all's in trouble. What I've come to preach to somebody is all about this. That you may have come ambushed by sin and ambushed by habits and ambushed by de- uh, depression and oppression. But if you will praise God anyhow, God says, I will strike your enemy. I will gore your enemy. Amen. And there was nobody that could recover when God struck them. Stand. So in an age when the Antichrist spirit is everywhere and it looks like the church is being surrounded and ambushed, grab somebody's hand, musicians, come help me. I flew all night long to come back and tell you. If you'll praise God, my text is God will undo your enemy. What does undo mean? Come here, brother. Thank you for getting up. Stu, come here, Bubba. Turn around. Lay over on him. This is his enemy. I mean, put your weight on him. Come on, just let, get your feet off Monday. Just let it go. Just hang on him. He's from Arkansas. He can handle it. You're going through life and your enemy lays on you. God said, Judah, if you'll praise me with this on you, may not be as much and it may be a little harder. God said, I'm going to undo all that affliction. If you'll praise him in your mess, God will show up and get him off of you and set you free. Come on, come on now. You got it in your mind. What is it that kept you from praising tonight? Go ahead and praise God anyhow and watch God undo what's afflicting you. Watch God gore your enemy and turn it in your favor. Somebody is about to walk out of here victorious and an overcomer because God responds to your praise. The Bible. The Bible. The Bible literally says, come on out of your seats, come on out of your seats, come on. The Bible says, as the men of Judah shouted. Now watch. God struck the enemy. Now I want you to get it. 
as they shouted, God did it. No shout, no response from God. Now the word shout here is ruah, R-U-W-A. It's the same shout when they shouted the walls down of Jericho. They didn't zamar the Lord, which is to praise God on the musical instruments and, and oftentimes accompanied with dancing. They didn't halal the Lord, which was just congregational praise. They didn't barak the Lord, which was to humble themselves and bow the knee under the magnanimous power of God. They didn't adon the Lord, which is a first worship word, which means it's attitudinal, it's just praises who I am. But they went all the way to the seventh word for praise and said, we need victory. We need these walls to come down. We need the odds turned to our favor. So we're going right to the seventh praise. And we're going to shout, which is a battle cry, as if to cause something to break. Now I'm preaching to a church that led the world and those that will participate in a call to war in prayer. I'm now calling you for the next few services to a call to war in praise. And I believe we can praise God in such a way He can silence all this craziness going on. You prayed and God did something. Now He needs you to praise and as you shout, God is going to strike our enemy. That spirit of Antichrist can't have us yet. The spirit of one world government can't have us yet. We need a church that will shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Lift your hands up and come on Antioch into praise and shouting and worship. God is about to undo our enemy. Get your hands up all over the building. I just can't stop. I just come on in the back. Come on in the back. In the pew. Come on, praise him. Get your hands up and worship. Get your dance on and praise him. Praising his name, I just can't stop. Praising his name, I just can't stop. Praising his name, Jesus. Come on, everybody. I don't, that's a great song. But I want us to move into the Holy Ghost now. Look at somebody and tell them, as we shout. Come on, tell somebody around you, as I shout, God's going to do something. Now I want that to sink in. You can praise God here, and He can move everywhere. So wherever the spirit of violence and anger and murder and confusion and discord is, we can praise God right here with a praise of shout. Not dance, but shout with a loud voice.
as if to cause something to break. Now I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I believe a shout could go out of Antioch that can break the back of this violent spirit that's trying to take over North America right now. Would you lift your hands up? And with that understanding, would you open your mouth and with your tongue, with a shout, would you extol the Lord? Would you lift him up on high? service last night for the new Glen Burnie preaching point that we're doing. There were no guests there, which I felt very strongly that we needed a chance to spend some time praying there, not just praying here for there. And so we took advantage of that and we had, we had great prayer. And Brother Stewart said something, I think it was Brother Stewart, said something about what he felt when we prayed. He said it was like when an atomic bomb is dropped. And when that bomb is dropped, that those waves, shock waves, go out from 
where the bomb is dropped. Now, I don't know if you got anything left because you just gave an awful lot. And there was something happening. And so one more time, I want us to do it again, but when you do it this time, I want you to get that image. And I want you in the spirit as we begin to shout. I want you to envision the shock waves of the spirit going out of this place right now all over this country, not just over Anne Arundel County, not just this area, but a shock wave of the Holy Ghost going all over the place. So I know you just gave it probably almost everything you had, but one more time, I want us to give it another shout. And when we do, it's already happening, but I believe one more time, something is going to go out from this place when we do it. So one more time, let's give that shout. Hallelujah! 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 This is how 
there seems to me I realize some of the greatest years of harvest for this church I was very young there seems to be to me to have been two common characteristics in the years of harvest one was a spirit of giving I don't know that I have liberty to tell you the amount tonight. So let me just tell you this. You know the $50,000 pledge that we took pledges for? We have blown. I mean blown through the pledge. I, I mean alone we blew through it so much Bishop called a missionary the other day and said we're about to send you X amount of dollars let's put it this way not just a couple hundred dollars in addition to still having plenty of funds to not only meet the $50,000 pledge but also to be a blessing to, to Liverpool and them starting I'm talking about blown through. So one trait that I recall is a spirit of giving. And we are in that. And it's not over. And we're not stopping. And the second was demonstrative. Unrestrained unreserved worship we got the first one and if you've listened especially to some of what brother Clark's been preaching and you listen to what the man of God preached tonight God is in the process of restoring the second one and I just believe when we get the second one fully restored with the first one there is no limit to what God is going to do what do you say we come next Sunday morning wherever you go and I know Sunday night's a special service but what do you say we come instead of ending Instead of ending, why don't we just decide from the very beginning, we're going to step into a spirit of praise and worship so that God can take us wherever He wants to take us, so that God can do everything He desires to do. Hallelujah. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what you're going to do. I'm going to put the mic down. That's what I'm going to do. I leave the rest up to you.